Hello and welcome to the Growing Green Podcast. Your host, Jeremiah Jennings, is the owner of Growing Green Landscapes in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a passion for growing the entrepreneurship community for those who are young in business. Being a business owner isn't easy, especially in the early years, and that's why in this show we dive into a wide range of topics covering all the challenges small business owners deal with. Even if your company is generating a million dollars or more, the stories from our great guest and Jeremiah's own firsthand experiences will propel your business forward. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode today here on the Growing Green Podcast. Super excited to come to you today with a great guest interview from the LCR Summit. We have none other than Jonathan Potoshnik on the show today, and we're super, super appreciative for uh, your time coming and joining us, Jonathan. I uh, uh, thankful for this, thankful for this time. And of course, uh, who knows what we're going to get into? I, I never go into shows with a, with a full script because I feel like we just kind of want to go with the flow and see yep. where conversation takes us. Um, a man that is that has gone through the things that you've gone through in your life as far as just the the process of building and scaling and building teams and all that stuff along the way. There's a lot that we could dive into. Um, let me ask you a question out of the gate. What what are you passionate about? Just in general in life or in the business? Stuff? In in uh, in business. What 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 makes you passionate as an as an entrepreneur? I get most fired up about ideas, what can be created, business models, how you create that thing. Um, I like building things. I don't get as fired up about the actual doing of the thing. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) uh, But you you have to do the thing to get the outcome. But I love living in the future and saying, this thing doesn't exist. How could I build this thing? Or how could I build it really big? And how would I do it different than other people do it? I I could talk about, I could just sit and talk all the time about that and actually do nothing. But that doesn't get you anywhere. The reason I know that's a true answer is because the passion that I see you have when you talk about this thing you want to solve the the content to the consumer oh yeah Yeah, we were Um, talking about that yeah yeah, we were talking about that give us a a 30 second rundown um on what you're like what do you want to fix what what is this issue that you think that needs to be solved all right i'll try in 30 seconds i had this really incredible experience building the software company service autopilot where we use teaching and content as our core way to grow that organization. It was incredibly cost-effective. We were one of the only companies that wasn't highly funded. We had no funding, never used any debt. And it was a very cost-effective strategy. Also, it really connected our market with us. It just worked so unbelievably well. And so now when I think about business problems, I always think about how do you solve a problem through the lens of building authority and influence in a market? And what is not happening is in the trades, nobody is, from my perspective, and if somebody can tell me who is, I would want to talk to you. I don't know of anybody that's at uh, doing a quality job building influence and authority in the trades. A lot of people think they are, but what they're really doing is they're producing content for other people in the trades to watch. Yeah. But they're not really producing content that Miss Smith, the buyer, wants to watch. Mm. And so how do we, in the trades, build content, social media that our buyer, the consumer, really wants to consume and will consume on an ongoing basis. I don't have that answer. I've got lots of ideas. Yeah. And it's going to take some money and time to try to figure this out. Yeah, it's going to be a process, I think. And that's what you're saying you get fired up about. It's like yes. the process of figuring it out. Yes. Um, 
I love that. That's so cool because, and I think you're totally right. Like what we're doing here on this show, we're trying to reach other entrepreneurs, other business owners, and help them grow their companies. Uh, and I, we talked about this on our show with uh, Mac as well. Just kind of preface this, and and it's a, it's an idea that I think really needs to be solved in five, three to five years. And and if it and if it is, how like life changing could that be for service companies? Yes. Um, what is your goal? Like, do you plan to take that into city turf um, and try to experiment with it there? No, that's exactly what I plan to do. Okay. Yes. And so that your background, you own, or you started city turf. How yeah. many years ago? Do you remember? You remember now? 2005. It's been a long time. Okay. Yeah. So grew city turf and, and then you uh, have sold part of your thing in service Self, autopilot. Self, yeah. And so super cool. It's, it's been a process that, has has been documented through Lawn Care Millionaire um, as well as your channel growing that. You've mentioned that you wanted to use that as a lead magnet to bring people into the software. Yes. And as you as you kind of went through that process of getting leads in, what did you what did you say? How did I've heard you say in, in our conversations from from last night was we answered questions that our customers were asking, mm-hmm. and that was how we like created our content. Yes. So. How did did you just like start documenting customer questions like over the phone, over emails? Like, how did you start keeping track of those? I put up a website called Lawn Care Millionaire. Okay, back in two thousand nine, before I even had a software company. The effort, the, the intent was to figure out how to sell software to yeah. people, and so I needed to know what people, lawn care owners, or the tr- different trade. We started with the trade of green industry, yeah, and so that's why I created that channel, and so I had a website where you could go put a question in and it would email that question to me. And that's how I answered all the questions. Really? I made up some of them, but yeah. for sure. I definitely, did you get good response from that? People? I did. Really? I really did from huh. the beginning. That's interesting. I, yeah, I would it's not a different that. time. If I, we've talked about this as well. If I put up lawn care millionaire now and did it yeah. like I did it back then, yeah. I'd get like nine views, <laughs> but it was if, a different time in YouTube world where there yeah. wasn't as much content. It was it was easier to get found, and mm-hmm. so I got found very quickly. Yeah, and I and redirected people from some of those videos to go to this website address and put in their questions. And yeah, I got questions. That's and I don't remember if uh, you know if I made up twenty five percent of the questions or ten percent or thirty. I don't know, but a lot the questions legitimately came. Also. Uh, in 2010, we started selling service all pipes. So I'm having all these sales calls with people and people are asking me business questions on the phone. So that also gave me content to mm. create. That's awesome. I want to kind of transition here to business as a broad, as a broad level, not kind of, let's kind of get out of the green industry, but I just want to talk businesses in general. You've been around businesses. You've been around other entrepreneurs who have built very large companies. What is uh, what are one or two principles that you would say you've seen across the board that have allowed people to grow companies to a large size? And I know that's, that's a, it's a pretty large question, but not necessarily like putting the right people in place, but even like a step higher than that, if there is one, like being willing to take risk or things like that. Is there anything like that you could share that um, a mental thing, maybe a mental shift that people can really work on to help themselves grow their company? Mm-hmm. I, I Taking risk is an example, but I think, I think you can build a pretty significant business being a very conservative person that's not a big risk taker mm-hmm. because you develop confidence over time that the risks you are taking are pretty calculated and therefore the actual risk yeah. um, is not too terribly uh, 
risky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> using not so great language there. Um, one would be a universal thing that I see with individuals that build bigger organizations is they have a different view of what's possible in the world. Mm. And they might have been like me, a kid that grew up never knowing anybody that I don't know who owned a business that I might have known as a kid. I, so I didn't have that example. I didn't know anybody that was rich. I knew of some kids in my school that their parents got them cool cars and they always had the coolest clothing and stuff. That was not me. So I knew of those people, but I didn't know their parents. I didn't, I really didn't have an expect. I remember when I was 18 years old, I moved out, maybe as 18 or 19, I moved out. And my roommate and I said, if we could just make $90,000 a year someday, which is probably like 150 now, yeah, we'd be good. And I just think that is just mind boggling now, but that was my worldview that I thought was a big stretch goal mm. and based on how I'd grown up. And so along the way, I had a mindset shift where I started seeing other examples of what was possible. Maybe I didn't know the people, but I saw them in magazines. I just became aware. It's like, wait, there's a whole other world. Wait, somebody can make a million dollars a year take home or whatever the thing yeah. was. You know, another one uh, for me was I remember seeing uh, two Ferraris at the Dallas car show when I was 10. And I was like, that's what I want in life. And as a 10 year old, but then I didn't know how in the world you get that. But then I remembered hearing stories. I remembered hearing about this guy in New York. That was a financial trade. He's like crazy little stories when I'm, you know, a, a high school kid, this guy gave away his Ferrari to Ferrari to charity. And I'm like, well, how do you do that? Like, and so what I've noticed is a lot of individuals that are successful in business may not have grown up successful they grew up with this desire, but they don't know how to get there. None of us knew how to do this. What the, what was the breakthrough for them is they started believing it could actually be possible for them too, and they went on a mission to figure out how to do it. And so it evolves your mindset over time. So I believe if you can't cast a vision for what you want to create, you're not going to create it. Sometimes you do. Most of the time you don't. So you got to be able to cast a vision for and believe this could be my life, I could have this thing. Otherwise you don't go for it. Mm. I think that's one. I think another one would be a lot of the most successful people that I know have learned how to become strong marketers. They've mm. learned how to do marketing and sell. They've learned sales. They've learned how to attract people to them. And that skill set allows you to build any business. And so I find that a lot of the really successful people I know have developed that skill within themselves. It doesn't mean they do that as their sole purpose inside the organization or even still do that because maybe they've built teams inside their business, but that was the thing that gave them the ability to get their thing off the ground and have a little more successful success than their competitors. And yeah. so those are two big things that come to mind. Translate down to the, through their team that yeah. then learn how yeah, to Yeah, eventually do you shift. And same for me. I mean, I started out and I learned how to attract people to my companies and grow them, but somewhat quickly, not super quick, but eventually you realize the game isn't actually even marketing. The entire game of business is people because I can go hire people to do all that stuff. But you can't possibly have that worldview when you're just trying to figure out how are you going to pay for your apartment next month and keep living and keep this business going and I have to get a job. So I know you're into the market of, or you're involved a little bit with robot mowers, mm -hmm. um, technology that, that increasing there. 
you talk like people is the key to business. Like keep people is just people are just the key to life. It sounds like the more conversation I have, it's like the right people, the right places, the more people, uh, the, the right people in the right places in the right roles. What is your take on like the way that robots are, are, um, just kind of coming out nowadays and they're progressing, uh, through life. Like what do you, where do you see us in five, 10, 15, 20 years? Like, do you think there'll be more active, uh, like human robots out, producing in society uh that's a tough one i have been predicting since 2017 that we're only five years away from really good robots to mow your lawn yeah we're in a decent place yeah but if you look around there aren't many robots mowing lawns i've had a robot mowing my lawn for four years it's awesome i wouldn't have a my company i own comes and does everything else but i would and I get lawn, my lawn mowed for free, and I still would pay to have a robot mow my lawn. Really? Yeah, I love it. I'm a fan. But there's just, you can see the promise. Let's do, we'll just focus on robot mowers for a moment. Yeah. You, I see the, the promise. I believe it's going to happen. There's just lots of challenges right now where you need to enable the robot with lots of technologies to avoid uh, challenges in the lawn, like lots of leaves or that create problems or branches in the property. There's all these obstacle scenarios. There's lots of little challenges. And to resolve those challenges, that piece of equipment needs to be enabled with cameras and all these other technologies. Mm -hmm. And those technologies, when you put all those technologies on that robot, it makes the price so expensive, you can't make the numbers work in most of your businesses. And and if you are going to leave the robot at the client's house, you really can't make the math work. If you want to build a big business, you'll need like $10 million, $20 million in robot debt. (laughs) So there's these things that the industry is very aggressively working on that I'm very optimistic about that make me absolutely certain the future of mowing is robotics. It's hmm. going to happen. But again, since 2017, I've been saying about five years. You asked me right now, I was like, nah, about five years. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of a robot coming around and walking around doing things, yeah, I don't see it coming anytime soon. I know that Tesla talks about their robotic mm-hmm. mower, but to be very frank, we were supposed to have autopilot that could actually really drive a car. Yeah. Six years ago, mm-hmm. we were supposed to have the new Tesla Roadster forever ago i tesla is not exactly uh doesn't exactly have a stellar stellar reputation of coming through <laughs> they're an awesome company yeah. and they will deliver someday yeah. they never in my opinion deliver even close to their promised timelines mm. so the way i think about everything in life because we can all talk about what we think is going to happen but are you willing to put money on the line? If you ain't willing to put money on the line, then you're just yakking and having opinions. Mm. And I would not put any money on the line around there being robot walking around fixing things to the point that if I'm thinking about where I deploy capital in the future, I'm very confident investing very heavily in service companies. And I would tell younger people, you're very safe becoming a plumber, HVAC, you're going to make a lot of money and you're going to be able to make a lot of money for a very long time. There is no robot coming for your job. Yeah. I feel very confident in that. And there's no AI coming after it. <laughs> no, there's not. Yeah, because it yeah. takes physical action. Yeah. yeah. You are very safe for a very long time, is my opinion. It's interesting. How have you seen being in the tech space? I mean, I guess you haven't really been in the last couple of years as, as heavy as you were. Yeah. Really, since AI has developed and really come public and gone to market, like, what changes have you seen in that whole, like, jobs and things like that like people that you may have had on in your software company that now ai could 
could do all of those things that those people are doing is that being in that position, because I, I, I can say it hearsay, like, oh, I think they would take jobs. Mm-hmm. You being there and, like, employing these positions and seeing that, do you think AI will start taking these people's jobs um, in software, tech, things like that over in, over the coming years? Yes, I don't see it right now. I do believe that in the future. It's going, yeah. Yeah. However, I'm not in the camp of doom and gloom. I believe that, yes, people will be impacted, but people have been impacted all through time. Yeah. And people will evolve. They'll learn how to use these tools, and these tools will become assistance to them. Also, it will eliminate a lot of activities that will just free a person up to do a next level skill inside Mm. the organization. We'll be able to use our team members differently. So right now I look at AI as it is, as a, just a really good augmentive tool to help me do my job. And it's exciting and it's going to get a lot better. I really, again, I have no special knowledge here because I don't have close friends at Google or open AI where I can say, okay, tell me what's really going on behind the scenes from. And it also, if you listen to the talking heads that are knowledgeable, they're adamantly opposed because between some think we're going to be at AGI soon and one very knowledgeable AI that can do all things. And some think we, this chat GPT thing that's happening that, you know, in the world, the uh, large language models is not indicative. It's not an indication that we're about to be at an AGI. I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. I'd just be making stuff up to answer the question. But again, I think, so what my view is, is as a, I think it's going to be a great assistant. It's going to make my good people better. It's going to, in, in, in whether you're a technology company or you're not a technology company, I believe a lot of incredible technology is coming that's going to be built around this, and we're going to start seeing it this year, next year, years to come. So a lot of really cool stuff is coming. I believe that in the longer term, when we talk about things like AI and robotics, it's going to, for those that are running good organizations that are a little bit bigger, that have a little bit of money, that ha- are good at looking at data, are good at thinking about how do I allocate money, how do I hire people, they are going to win in a massive way when they can scale robots and AI type stuff versus mm. scaling humans. Yeah. Simply because it's so hard to scale humans. And so you want to put yourself in a position that one day you are very savvy with these tools, whereas your competitors are not, it will give you a massive competitive advantage. Um, So as a business owner, I'm very excited about these things. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be really good for humanity in in general. I'm just not a doom and gloom person on this topic. And uh, well, it's kind of like I'm under the impression that's kind of just the, the way that I look at life. I'm like, I, I can't physically change it. Me yeah. being mad about it is not going to stop AI from coming. Sure. So I might as well use it and try to figure out how to use it and implement it and use it to make money, grow my business, yeah. grow my life. I mean, yeah. that's, and I think that sounds similar to what you're saying. Like, very much. You can't change it. So just move on. Yeah. Like, don't get hung up on those things. We were talking last night and you said something that, that really hit home to me. It was, um, I think we were talking about taking risk or something like that, what all was involved with growing the business. And I asked just, um, how did you do that? How did you know where to go? And you just said, just take the, the right next step. Mm, yeah. It was just one step at a time is the process. You, and the as best you can. Yeah. Because we don't have all information. We don't have all the knowledge. So you're just, you're making calculated bet on what the next right action is and you take it and you see how it goes. What are some um, kind of just like basic principles that you would share for guys that are, and I know this, we've kind of gone all over the place, but that's the, that's the joy of this podcast. You never know. You got to keep listening because you don't know what's going to come next. Um, 
the guys that are in years three to five in business. Um, that's our target audience. That's who we're talking to is guys that are really young. They're figuring out, they're learning as they go. They're trying to make the right next moves and they're surrounding themselves with good people and getting in peer groups and things. But, um, is there anything that you've seen in your years of being in business that you would say like, Hey, this is a good way to gauge what the next right move is for you. When you say that they're in years three to five, what kind of revenue are we talking about? Probably, uh, I would say probably three to two hundred, two to two hundred, three hundred thousand. Okay, somewhere in there. Yeah. So a few of the moves coming. Well, at two to three hundred, there's really only two. Really, <laughs> we talked about this today. Yeah, there's we, three you just moves. Get, you just get hung up. Like this is we're passionate because this is where a lot of guys get stuck. Yeah. Well, let me come back and let me say something to yeah. you. Yeah. The other thing that you see. And this is not a universal truth, but it's you see it fairly commonly. A lot of entrepreneurs, the individual that is willing to leave the security of a job or has had a few jobs and they haven't gone that well, yeah. and they're like, I kind of need to be self-employed, they tend to be wired a little bit differently and they tend to be maybe willing to take some more risks, but they love the... They love trying different things and they love ideas and like they get new ideas. They're like, oh, I'm going to try that. Oh, I'm going to do this. They they just, they tend to want to go be free and maybe even work on, they want to earn their own way. And, um, and so that very same person that is attracted to going fast and trying lots of things as their business gets bigger, they tend to plateau because they don't stick with what's working and they keep adding more stuff to their business, more complexity. They work on a marketing piece and they're like, they listen to podcasts like, oh, that's a great idea. Next thing you know, they're doing a different marketing piece. They never deployed the one they were working on in the first place. Or if they did, they never tracked the data on it. They never tested it and they never refined it. They just jumped to the next thing. And so, or you go to an event and you're like, oh, I heard this guy is making $4 million a year building decks. Yeah, I need to be building decks. And so you pivot the business and I, well, that's another three-year journey of figuring that whole mm-hmm. thing out. So just this constant jumping around and then they wonder, well, why am I still $350,000 revenue business? It's because you've been jumping around doing lots of things. You've been doing a lot of stuff, but you've, and you've created so much complexity, you can barely manage all this in your head and you're tired. Yeah. And so that gets to my first of these three points is in the early days, you got to get complexity out of your business. The way you get complexity out of the business is keep you provide a few services to a very specific kind of client using a very small number of different types of equipment using as best you can. I know you don't have a lot of money. The same kind of truck. Like yeah. everything is pretty simple. And when you add complexity, it just it slows down. It doesn't grow. And, that, it, and so that's where you start. Mm. If you keep that in mind... When you're under a million dollars and frankly past a million dollars, there's only two things you got to worry about. Hiring the people to do the work. So how do you get the work? Every day you should be thinking about how do I get attract people to me? Go learn marketing. Attract people to you. Clients, prospects to you. And how do you convert them? And you think about that every day. And there's one other thing you got to think about. How do I do the exact same thing? How do I market and attract people to come work at my company? And how do I train them? And how do I, and so how do I provide enough work for those people to do? And you got to keep those two things in balance. And that's your entire game. At some point, you will find that you're a little bit stretched thin, and your first hire is probably somebody to work the office, to answer the phones, 
to do those what we'll call $15 to $25 an hour tasks. Somebody you could pay $15 to $25 an hour that will answer the phone, will help you with the scheduling, will charge the credit card, will, you know, could run an errand to Home Depot, will, you know, whatever those things are, and you stop doing those. Mm. Because as soon as you stop doing those, your brain can go back to the only two things that matter. How do I get the next team member? And how do I get the next job from a client? That's all that matters. So as fast as you can, you need to get somebody to take all that other stuff off you. It's almost always an office person so that you keep focusing on that. Then your field team is now getting a little bit bigger and there's all this operational stuff. A line trimmer breaks, you got to run it to the team. Truck breaks, uh, you got to you know pick up a piece of equipment from the store. Somebody ran out of trash bags. I mean, there was Miss Smith is complaining about something. You got to go over there and look at the property and take some pictures. You guys, you know, you uh, you know, I don't know, you damaged the gate, the lock on the the the, the ha- latch on the gate. Somebody's got to go deal with that. There's a ninety million little things. Those are fifteen to twenty five dollar activities. You need an operational person to do all that stuff for you. So that again, you get it all off your plate and you only think about two things. How do I get the next client? How do I get the next team member? And you obsessively think about it. And frankly, through a million something dollars, an operational person and one or two people, probably one person in the office, that is about all you generally need in most of the trades. You'll, you can outsource your bookkeeping and your accounting to somebody. You can get help with marketing, although I highly encourage you to learn it or start to learn it. That's the game. Yeah. And so that's what you want to be thinking about to answer your question to grow that business and not get stuck at the typical three to $400,000 plateau that most people never get past. I'm a big fan of systems and processes, but it's been brought to my attention from People have done larger, been in larger companies, grown seven, eight million dollar companies. That a lot of guys get caught up in the system and process thing too early, yes. and that's what it sounds like you're saying here. Like it sounds like you focus on hiring people and selling work. And I've heard that. That's the. It, I've heard that multiple times recently. Okay. Um, it's a common thread going around about mm-hmm. that. Guys at my like I'm at three hundred thousand in revenue. Like. We, I get caught up in systems and processes too much, trying to get stuff in, and I'm not spending enough time on going and actually selling it and yes. producing work. I can give you two reasons for this. One reason why the system and process conversation is massively overrated is that the challenges you're experiencing now in the way you run your business will be 100% different at a million dollars. It's just no, it's not going to be the same at all. Yeah. All right, so everything you spent all that time building is like, why? Yeah. The other side of processes and procedures is everybody thinks they're going to write processes and procedures. It's going to fix their problems. No, process and procedure, creating it is 10% of the game. The 90% is managing to it and holding people accountable, accountable and dealing with it when they don't do it. And you don't deal with it because you're like, well, I can't call out Bob because Bob will quit. And I don't have Sam or whoever yeah, coming in behind guys, him to do yeah. the work. So I'm like, so you don't enforce stuff. Mm. So you can create process and procedure all day long, but unless you're going to do the other side of it, which most people don't, and it's almost it's just not even a worthwhile activity. And I'll just say it again. Most things are going to break as you keep growing this. Now, you could extend out and say, well, that's true. When I go from a million to five, it's all going to break. When I go from five to ten, it's all going to break. You're right, it will. But there comes a point where you can't scale without starting to build yeah. some of this into the organization. I'd have to give this a little bit more thought. But I'd say you, frankly, don't need a lot of documented process and procedures through several million dollars. 
That's and yeah. that may wow. be counter to what most people say. I really don't think you do. Yeah, I think what you do is you are the example of, how, and you train, and you yeah. have in-person conversations. That's another thing. I think a bunch of people want to create a procedure to not have to do the work of having the in-person conversation and the hard conversation in the coaching. All you really need to do is coach and train people through many millions of dollars and set the example how we do things and get the bad people out of the company. And and I'll say one more thing. No, you're good. Come on. I also think that processes and procedures make us feel like we're doing productive work inside the organization when we're not quite sure what we should be doing. So I don't really know how to go recruit and hire employees. I really don't know how to do the marketing to get more clients. I have ideas, but I don't really actually know what to do when I sit down to do it. What could I do? Oh, I could write up process and procedures. I could read the E-Myth, the E-Myth tells me, or whatever the book is, and I feel like I'm doing something. I feel like I'm being productive. I feel like I'm moving the ball forward, but you're not actually. Yeah, you're definitely not making any money. <laughs> you're not selling. You're wasting work. your winter. Yeah. Because you said you're going to do that over the winter. Next year, it's going to be better. Like, no, not really. That's a slap in the face. That's well, a, I mean, look, a, I did it. Yeah. We all did this. Yeah. I We all did this. this that's is, why I love hearing it from your side. Yeah. I did all that crap. You know, the amount of stuff I did that was a complete waste of my life yeah. and my time. Yeah. How long did it take you to realize? I don't know how long it took me to realize, but you get hit in the face enough. You start to realize. Yeah. Like, yeah. And some of the advice I give like that is very counter to what people give. Uh, Yeah. Big time. Very yeah, counter. Big time. And it's like, well, I've done, I've built three companies to, you know, eight figures. I done this. Yeah. And uh, so I've seen this exact same trend yeah. every single time. Yeah. I've seen how I thought if I document this thing and give it to Mary, that's fixed. It ain't fixed until I sit next to Mary in the chair and we go through this thing and we work on it and she does it back with me if we're talking about an office example. And then when she drops the ball, we talk about it and I try to coach her up. And then when she drop, keeps dropping the ball, I fire her. Like, but that whole rest, that other yeah. part is really uncomfortable and it's very time consuming. Yeah. But that's always been the stuff that actually works. What is your take on higher, slow, fire, fast? 100%. You follow that. Is Do you think one is more important than the other? Fire. Okay. I think it's the reason why most people hate their companies. I have, a, this is another very strong opinion of mine. Mm. I think the root cause of a lot of plateauing inside companies and the reason guys get burned out is they allow the wrong people to remain inside their organization and they suck the life out of them. I have met so many people that don't even want to be at their company. They almost want to hide from some of their team members or specific people. They do not enjoy it anymore. It's not fun. They're burned out and therefore they're stuck. Mm. And it goes back to having the wrong people. If every day you get to work with really awesome people yeah. that actually want to take really great care of the client and help you make this thing better, it's fun. Yeah. Like I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of team members I feel like I go to these conferences and they're specifically marketing events and all these other conferences. And everybody's like, oh, I hate employees. I want a no employee business. I want a small business. I want to find the next whatever, you know, whatever the business is where I don't have to have employees. Or I know a lot of guys that make tremendous amounts of money in real estate. Are like, I just love doing real estate because I hate employees. Like, well, I like other human beings. I have a lot of friends. And I love my friends. If I could have those same caliber people working inside my organization, probably wouldn't hate my business and I wouldn't hate having team members. I actually like having team members. It's way better than doing this thing on my own. But you got to have the right ones and you got to get rid of the wrong ones or you're going to hate your business. It's, what, what do you look for in the right team member? Depends on the role. 
but the things I most, the things like the top level stuff I think about is uh, it's a, a, it's attitude. Like mm. are, I think about, are they a happy person? Not, not that everybody you're going to hire is a happy person, but yeah. are they a happy person? Are they going to interact with the other team members where you know, there's a social element inside organization and a camaraderie? Will they be part of a bigger vision? And the bigger vision is we are in business to take care of a client and take really good care of them. We are, we, yes, we are in business to make money, but we are more in business to take wonderful care of the client. When we do that, we just, the byproduct is you make really good money. And so are, do you have a heart to take care of our clients? Do you have a heart to do quality service? Do you understand that you're, $20 an hour I pay you is not just about doing a good job producing the service. It's also that we're, but I got to, I got, you got to teach people this. They don't, they don't expect them to intuitively know yeah. it, but can they get behind this idea that, Hey, we're wanting to serve our clients. Can you be part of that, uh, that game? So it's very much around an attitude. Are you a hardworking individual? Are you, are you naturally motivated or do I, do I have to constantly motivate you or a manager? That's going to be a, not a fun long-term um, scenario. And so there's lots of little things like that are, you know, in some cases, are you one that will learn, um, and grow? Um, you know, and there's going to be varying types of people in your organization, but those are some of the people that I find, uh, to be the best people to work with. Two things. Then I'll let you run here and get back into the event. The, um, talking, going back to systems and processes. I think one of the things that I get kind of held up on and hung up on, I think is a common thing I would imagine is, you think, okay, you don't have to have a ton of systems and processes up to a million or, or a little over a million. My thing that I that pops up in my head is safety. How do we control safety mm-hmm. without without a bunch of stuff in place? Like, does it because when you at a million bucks, you got 10, 20, 30 guys running around potentially, um, a little over a million. Like, there's a lot of trucks on the road. Just a lot of a lot of moving parts to your business. You've really expanded. So, how do you? handle the safety the training aspect um and as you grow yeah i'm glad you're asking a little more on this when i say you don't need systems and procedures that doesn't mean you don't have a checklist we don't have ways of doing things it doesn't mean that we don't have a way in which you work through a process to do scheduling inside the software package you Mm -hmm. use i mean that's that would be nonsense there are ways we do things in a company i'm simply saying we spend tremendous effort documenting all of these activities and there, but what's really going to happen is we're going to, in the early days, we're going to sit down and coach a person on how to do that stuff. Yeah. And so you are training them on a way to do things. There is a way we answer the phone. There are the top 50 questions that a client is going to ask when they call us. We need to document that. We need to write it down. It needs to hang in their cubicle. We need to teach them that stuff. Sure. So it's not that you don't do anything. It's just that, the idea of writing every single thing out and having a catalog of videos, it's its unnecessary because you'll have to update that stuff so frequently. And so when you talk about things like safety, there is in, it's back to my, a lot of the process and procedure that happens doesn't need to be documented as much as it needs to be physically demonstrated mm. and talked about frequently in the mornings before everybody leaves the yard. And it also might mean there's a, checklist that's hanging in everybody's you know storage unit or however you operate your business of 
a certain number of things. But let's also be honest, you can hang whatever you want to hang on the walls inside a company. And your guys are not reading that they saw it one time, they're never looking at it again, they don't even see it anymore. It's invisible. Mm -hmm. So the only way you get long term performance is constantly talking about things over and over. It's, it's having a meeting in the yard. It's having training, ongoing training. It's showing up at the job sites and doing training on the job site. That stuff's a lot of work and nobody wants to do it. And that's why they want to create a written process or procedure, create videos. How many guys do you know that want to sit around and watch videos? videos, The guys were, gals were hiring to work in the field, want to be out in the field. They don't want to be in the office watching crap. Mm -hmm. They don't want to do that. They don't even want to do their safety training. So the only way we get compliance on safe, not the only way, but as an example, the way we get safety training is we have a checklist and yes, we might hang that checklist up, but we look at that checklist and we train on that over and over and over again. And then when there's an instance, the entire incident, the entire company gets together and we do a postmortem on why did this thing happen? And we use that as another training opportunity. So the, the, the theme is, are you being physically present in your team's life to do the training? And eventually, are you hiring a manager to be physically present in your team's life to do this training? Or are we thinking we can just give them some videos and documents and everything's going to be golden? That's what I'm arguing. Mm. Does that make a little more sense? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm not not against writing things down and having checklists. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, I think yeah. that's I'm glad good. you asked more and refined it because I don't want people to walk away with the wrong idea. Like, it's just chaos <laughs> it's over just here. It's just running like, gun. Yeah. I'm not, you say whatever you want to say on the phone. You do whatever you want to do. Like, <laughs> no, that is not how you build a good business. Yeah. I'm just saying there's a different way we approach yeah. getting that outcome. Yeah, that's good. You, you have that person-to-person interaction. Yes. And like, would you, uh, do you have, are you one-year-old? Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, could you imagine in life, the way you're going to train your kid and coach your kid is by, <laughs> yeah. hey, kid, read this book. Watch hey, this kid, video. <laughs> I've got this document for you. I need you to follow this nine-step process. Kid comes and asks you a question. He's like, did you read the document? <laughs> like, yeah. did you? Like, that's not how you're going to spend time with your kids. Exactly. Talk to them. They're going to they're gonna model your behavior. You're going to set a good example. You're going to coach them in little bursts in ways that don't doesn't feel like coaching you're going to spend time with them. Why is that little human different than yeah. all of our awesome team members? Like it's, we're all humans. It works the same way. You're creating a family culture in that aspect. And in this aspect, you're creating your team culture. Yeah. Like in that I mean, being there, being present. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I feel like you're gaining respect from your team members as well. Like they see, they're going to see that you're investing into them. hundred percent. People do not want to be robots. Yeah. People. One of the things that I've learned is, it's easy to, you, you hire these team members and I, I need fast action. I need you to do this. And so you, you give directives and go do this and go do that. People are people. They need to know why. Yeah. Like if you don't tell people why more often, there's no buy-in. Then they're just executing on tasks and there's no buy-in. They don't feel like they're part of a thing. They, they, and also, if you don't tell people why, they can't possibly say, oh, this is why we're doing This is what we're going to accomplish. And they can't even come back to you with good ideas to make the whole thing better, the business better, the system better, whatever. People are not robots, just as our kids are not robots. We have conversations. We tell our kids why. We teach them. You do exactly the same thing inside a company. Mm. It's just that we are looking for shortcuts, and the shortcuts don't work. Really quickly, is there a way? Shoot me down if you think this. I want to hear your true opinion, though. If guys were looking to get off the truck, he's been cutting his, been mowing yards for three, four, five years, ten years, whatever. He knows his yards. He's trying to get people in there, one or two people to take his place. He doesn't want to be 
working in the business for a whole season. Like he wants to get those in and get out and start selling so he can grow his company. What is your take on like videoing individual properties one time of like, this is what we do. This is the process when we get here and having a list of 60, 70 of those properties. So when you bring new people on, they can see that. And are we videoing all of the properties? Um, potentially I, I would like to hear your feedback. Um, I'm just thinking like for the first guy to get off commercial or residential residential. So just like, uh, because there's a lot of nuances in properties, you know, there's a pothole here or uh, something sticking up over here that the customer wants to get done. And so how do you get, how do you, tr- it's, it's easier. I feel like at scale when you have people that are, you have estimates going out and you have process for, um, those team members that as you build your processes over time, they know how they attack the yard and things like that. But I'm thinking the guys that are early on trying to get off the truck, what, is that is that like a, a step that would work maybe? Or do you have something better you would recommend for trying to just get that across to your new guys coming in? No, I think it's pretty good. I mean, again, around this concept of process and procedure or systems, we have extensive job notes. Mm-hmm that go into our system that go to our guys. Okay. So their customer profile just like shows everything. I'll give you an example about how strongly I feel about this. Very beginning of service autopilot days, you could, we put in a feature in service autopilot where you could put in job notes Mm -hmm. and then you can put an expiration date because what happens is that what, this is an example, real quick side note. Yeah, I don't own service autopilot anymore, but I'm telling you, that the majority when you go to evaluate software people just see a few features they're like oh it's good enough and they buy these software solutions you have if you're not buying the right software you don't even know what you're missing and let me just give this one example there must be 150 examples like this in service autopilot that are unique about service autopilot here's what happens you uh, miss smith calls in and she says hey um, this week don't mow behind the fence that goes in as a job note. They have a gate code. That goes in as a job note. There are all these other, we're going to be on vacation this week. Can you do this? That goes in as a job note. Those job notes, nobody's going to go back and take those job notes back out of the system. Maybe one day they do. Those job notes keep getting showing up on mobile devices or getting printed out on route sheets week after week after week. Or if you are diligent about taking job notes out of assist off the route sheets or the mobile devices, what a freaking nightmare to have <laughs> to go through all your jobs all the time. So we, back in the early days of Service Autopilot, put in a uh, expire note. So if it's for this week, it expires in a week, it automatically removes itself from the job note. Why do I mm. tell this story? Because it's directly applicable to what we're talking about. What happens when a team member sees junk in their job notes over and over again? They stop reading job notes. Yeah. They quit. The compliance ends. It doesn't work. That's a system. Mm-hmm. It's a system of how do we... I mean, this, this is why, again, we have to be careful with this system and the process conversation. Sure, you, there are things you are doing. That's an example of a system. And if you do it wrong and you don't clean that stuff up, then your system for job notes in your software system no longer works. Mm. And I mean, this is such a prevalent thing I hear from companies. I can't get my guys to read my job notes. No kidding, because you put no effort into this stuff. You don't clean it up. You don't do what you should be doing. Of course, they're not going to read them. I wouldn't read them either. If if every time I get to a job, I'm reading a bunch of junk. I'm just going to like, well, there's nothing new here. That looks about the same. And so then why did they screw up at the job? So when you ask this question, um, job notes is one of the ways you get the, uh, you teach them to. um, It's a really detailed job. Yes. Second is. Um, you've probably had this experience or you've 
from maybe somebody coming to your home or you're being out there. So you go out and you walk the property with Miss Smith and they give you all these details and you're like, somebody comes to your house and you know, you're talking to them and that person is just kind of walking with you and yours like this, you're telling them all this stuff. And then you're thinking after they're not gonna remember anything I just told them. Yeah. And then they get in their truck and leave and they're gonna, then they're going to the next job and then tonight or tomorrow, they're going to write up what they remember from your property. So, and they're going to miss tons of stuff. So when you talk about the idea of could we video the property and what the nuances are or what the client wants, I think it's a fantastic idea. Mm. Uh, absolutely. I think it's really good. And I'll give you one more after this. And so, sure, I, I see no problem in that, but I would. Ju- I think it's great yeah. because um, it will teach the individuals, but I would just add on to it. It's not enough. It's, I want them to watch it, but I still got to coach this stuff. I still got to make sure they watch it. I still got to make sure they're complying with what they watch because they're taking care of 50 and properties and now they're getting confused. They're not going to watch the video before they do every job. So yeah. there's more that has to follow that. But sure, that's a good idea. Because my, my thought process is like first time they roll up, you just have a 30, 45 second video of the product, just a quick walk around. Here's our highlights. This is what we do. Don't blow something here. Yeah. Just a quick walk around. And you watch that for the first time they show up, and then they at least go into it with like a little better knowledge yeah. of what they have to come. So Agreed. And I'll give you one more. I mean, City Turf, I don't know if they use it anymore. I haven't faced idea. I don't run the business. But when I ran the business, we had a document that was uh, pictures of what good looked like and pictures of what bad looked like. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a system that's and a procedure. Yeah, sure it is. But it, was, it, was, it wasn't this big production it was okay when you're if you can kind of imagine your mowing with a 21 inch mower yep. and these guys cross the sidewalk coming down and then the way they hit the depending on the height of the grass they kind of scalp the grass yep. coming up on the other side or over time they weed eat line trim too low and now the grass starts to spread further and further from the flower beds or what's it look like when you're weed eating too closely to the fence and you're tearing up the fence over several years there's a lot of examples of what good what's it look like when the guys are too lazy to move the trampoline in the backyard now there's grass <laughs> growing up around the legs yeah there's you don't have to write a lot of text here. Yeah. There's good. Good and bad. There's bad. That's and smart. And this is how we work. And but but that's not enough. You don't you don't hire a guy and say, "Hey, read this manual." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I can't wait to get home tonight and read this manual." He doesn't you got to coach back yeah. to the thing. The thing only works if the guy's coached to it. The only works if tomorrow morning Miss Miss Smith had called in last night and she said, "Hey, they didn't do this thing tomorrow morning before they leave your office." Mm-hmm. You talk about that thing they didn't do. Maybe even pull out your your document or on your iPad or whatever it is, and you be like, "This is what good looks like. This is what bad looks like." She's saying it looks more like this, you know. It's, and uh, you know, you just keep coaching to it. That's yeah. I think that's good. You because my thing. I'm thinking like leaving clippings in the yard or mm-hmm. yeah, like not good dis- and bad pictures. Exactly. Yeah. It's very easy, mm-hmm. and you just do a quick little twenty minute, a ten minute process and like walk through the morning meeting of like, yeah. hey, here's what we look like. That's a good thing. I'm a awesome. fan of the pictures, even over the videos. Like videos, yeah. Make, like when you go sell, like imagine you're doing a landscape or something, or this is how we're going to trim the bushes. It makes a ton of sense to do a video and then give that to the trimming crew that's going to be out there. Yeah. Because you're not, you don't even want to write down everything. You got to exactly. write down. Exactly. You can and speak you're it. Yeah. You can just show them and they can see it. And even trying to translate the written word to wait, are we talking on the right side of the house, left side? What are we talking? Yeah. The video is awesome. I am a massive fan. But there is also an argument that at times it shouldn't be video because it takes us t- takes too long for the team to process yeah. video, whereas just look at good and bad or just yeah. look at a picture of the area or things like that. I love that. Before we wrap it up, one final question. It's pretty simple, but it can be complex. It's uh, just what is your why? 
Um, my why for what exactly? For, we'll say for building businesses. Um, I don't necessarily love the process, but when I look back, I love the outcome and I like the journey. All my favorite people in the world are business owners. Um, I live in a neighborhood, and I've been there a while. And with the exception of a two, I've like twenty something homes of the neighbors I know, and I know a lot of them. With the exception of, I'm getting, I'm going to tell a story here, of a couple who are doctors. Everybody owns businesses, mm-hmm. and those conversations are great. Yeah. My first house, which was a nice home. I mean, nice for a 21-year-old kid. It was a nice area. Great people. Everybody in the neighborhood was 10 to 15 years older than me. Um, they all had jobs. They weren't running. They weren't VPs of anything. Conversations weren't that interesting. You go to a party. I don't really care about talking about current events, but I sure like growing things. I like doing things. I like taking action. And I use that example to say all my favorite people live in this world. All my favorite people are moving the world forward in some way. They're building stuff. They're mm-hmm. thinking about how do they become better? How do they make their team become better? How do they grow themselves? So my why is from a business building standpoint, is I just want to live in that world. Entrepreneurs move the world forward. They're the most interesting people for me. It doesn't mean anybody else is bad. Yeah. I, I've got friends that work at companies, but I tend to be most attracted to friends that are higher ups in companies because yeah. they're kind of like, in a way, entrepreneurs inside their organizations. They're builders. And so um, I just love this life. I love this where I couldn't imagine not doing this thing. I love it. Well, you're not on socials right now because you've been on a sabbatical, been traveling last couple of years yep. since you sold. Um, but you have some stuff coming in the springtime. Yeah. Where's the best place for people to get in touch with you and hear before that? The only way is the only social account I have is Facebook. Yep. I'm not active on it, but I do have a lot of, I've collected a bunch of friends. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan Potoshnik, P-O-T-O-T, Potoshnik. Uh, just look me up on Facebook and friend request me. I'll accept you. And then I'll announce through Facebook when I go. Everything will be content. there. Yep. So, That's awesome. how I'm going to tell people. I'm excited, man. It's going to be good. I can't wait to follow along with that and hopefully stay in touch in the long yes. run. So yeah. appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome. Guys, thank you so much for listening in. It means the world that we get to come to you three times a week here and just bring as much good and entertaining con- content as we can. So thanks to Jonathan for coming along with us. Thanks to Naylor for uh, hosting us here at the LCR Summit, Creator Clubhouse, for letting us get in this awesome studio and bring some good content to you guys. So without any further ado, that's going to wrap this one up, guys. I'm looking forward to catching up with everybody here on the next one. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green podcast. It is an honor to have you listening, and we hope you receive valuable advice to help take your business to the next level. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode drops.